now, introducing... This is Press Box, Heathland Clark! We've got draft coverage for all y'all. I'm his producer, Paul. Glenn Skeet Skeet, call him trucker. Glenn Skeet Skeet Skeet. He is Glenn Clark. I don't even know what to say to that. I gotta get you hyped, it's draft day. It's draft day, we're gonna do what's best for the team. Good morning, it's Glenn Clark Radio, I'm Glenn, he's Paul. Busy day, long day, lots going on coming up on the program. In just a few minutes, actually, we're going to catch up with Orioles pitcher Spencer Watkins. He's off to a great start. We will uh, later on this hour, our annual draft draft, as uh, Ken Zalis will check in with us. Um, he's got his final mock draft up at PressBoxOnline.com. You can go check it out right there. But I'll give you a spoiler. He's got the Ravens taking the same guy everybody else has the Ravens taking in their final mock drafts. So I'm distraught because it means there's no chance it's happening. It's the guy I've wanted all along, and there's no way that it's happening because there's no way everyone is right about it. It's never happened. There's never been a year where everybody said the same guy and everybody was right. Like the year we all thought there was going to be, um, who was the guy, OJ, what was his name? Huh? Uh, the the tight end who like ended up OJ going to Howard, the OJ Alabama Howard guy. ended up being Marlon I Humphrey. I don't know if everybody thought that, but there was certainly a few people, especially as the draft unfolded, that thought it was going to be OJ Howard that year. There's no doubt about that. I really wanted Corey Davis that year, but he went in like the top five, so I felt really silly about that. Um, later on in the program, New Towson women's basketball coach Laura Harper, who has been at Coppin the last couple of years, turning things around. The uh, one of the all-time great uh, players in Maryland basketball history. She's going to join us, talk us to uh, talk to us about moving to the other side of town. And um, Corey Deitches, Maryland tight end, will check in with us as well before their spring game on Saturday. So that's what's coming up on the program today. Lots of pandemonium related to the draft. Lots of nonsense being spewed ignore all of it for your health ignore all of it none of it means anything it's just everybody knows the draft is coming up so they're desperate to try to seem like they've got information you can make up some of these things like and i'm not trying to be here's adam schefter this morning one veteran front office executive this morning quote this is the craziest draft i've seen in 30 years unquote Okay, so nothing then. <laughs> I mean, what is what does that even mean? Is he saying expect there to be 15 first-round trades? Is he saying, you know, this is a weird draft because I, I can't tell who anybody actually likes and who anybody actually doesn't like? It doesn't mean anything. And that's not Adam Schefter's job. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants to be a carnival barker, he can be a carnival barker. It's very clear. ESPN made it abundantly clear over the last year. He ain't a reporter any longer. They made that very clear when uh, he did the Mr. Editor bit, and they didn't bother to, to punish him in any way. They were like, well, you know, truth be told, yeah, we kind of do let the teams edit our pieces. It's the relationship we have. We have a very you know, high-level economic relationship with the NFL, so get over it. It's his it's not his place. I don't care. Whatever Adam Schefter wants to do. But we react to this stuff because we're like junkies that want to have it shot directly into our veins. What does that tweet mean? Zero. Nothing. But everyone breathlessly shares it. There couldn't be more eyeball emojis being sent around. It's nothing. 
That's what it is. That's not a thing. That's someone who feels the need to send out a tweet because it's draft day and their job revolves around football. And they know that everybody's all hot and bothered. They're all worked up into a a tizzy. Settle down. They're going to pick some players tonight. The Ravens might pick a player at 14. They might not. Everything's going to be okay. It'll all be over soon. And then we'll know who the Ravens took or didn't take, and we'll react to that. Chill. Your life can go on. Get some work done today. File your TPS reports. Do whatever it is. Go dig your ditches. It'll be all right. When there's real news, I promise you'll know about it. If there's some, if Baker Mayfield gets traded before the first round, I promise you'll get that information. When somebody says, I hear there's lots of teams that are calling. Yes, they're all calling. Every team is calling. I'll be the one. I ain't reporting it. I'm just telling you. Everybody's making calls. That ain't information. That's just nonsense. That's all it is. It's just nonsense. Because somebody feels like they need to get a piece of all of the attention that's being paid to the NFL draft. It's a swim in Lake Me, as my buddy Chad Dukes might say. Everybody's talking about something. It's a big deal. I need in on that. Me, 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 me. Settle. Settle. They're going to pick some players. We're going to pick some players in our draft draft. We don't know dick. <laughs> I know less than that. Ah, I know what Ken Zalas has said on the internet. I know that much. <laughs> so I'm steal- I might be stealing his picks. All right, um, the Orioles. This is one that I legitimately did not watch even a single pitch of last night because I had to work, and then uh, the basketball was compelling, and so I decided to watch that instead. But uh, the Orioles fell again in New York last night. Did any of it actually matter? We turn things over to our one-minute man. He is Paul Valley. Spoiler, none of it really mattered. Um, there, not, not a great sell. Yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, there was a point where in the, I think it was the second or third inning, the Orioles were down 2 to nothing, and they were runners on first and second with nobody out, and Cedric Mullins comes to the plate batting 213, and he doesn't bunt, and he ends up – I was calling for him to bunt. He didn't bunt. He pops out the center, doesn't advance the runners, and Jorge Mateo gets picked off second. Trey Mancini flies out what would have been a sack fly if Mullins had bunted, ends up being the third out of the inning. That was pretty irritating because you just want fundamentally sound baseball and nothing about that was fundamentally sound. The good news is that Tyler Wells, after a couple of bad starts, went out there and threw five innings, a career high, uh, and only gave up two runs, which came in the first inning on a moonshot laser beam from um, from Giancarlo Stanton. Bullpen faltered a little bit again last night, but that kind of happens when you're playing in New York. The Yankees hit a couple more home runs last night. That's all they seem to do the last couple of games. And I mean, the condo is what it is. It was nice to see Wells have a good start. Nice to see Santander for an 18 straight game. But all right, so um, the big it, yeah, I, I couldn't say anything about the baseball game. I watched none of it, so I got I got nothing on that. Um, the the story yesterday seemed to be the report that Brandon Hyde's contract goes beyond 2022, and I feel like maybe we knew that, but it, it, whatever. It's that was the story yesterday, and this reaction. The way that some of the headlines were written, for example, um, the tweet that was sent out about it from Nathan Ruiz, who covers the the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun, said, Brandon Hyde is under contract beyond 2022, a source told the Baltimore Sun, meaning he'll get the chance to manage many of the Orioles' top prospects. His current players believe he deserves that opportunity. 
there's a there's a couple of things in there. One, well, he's going to get to manage some of the top prospects this year. Beyond 2022, we've talked about this. They're coming this year. The ones that matter, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, they're going to be here this year. Maybe D.L. Hall? I don't know. I mean, there's reason to believe it. They're coming. And those are the ones. This is not – we do this all the time. They're the top system in baseball because of that. The depth is only okay beyond that. The moment those guys disappear from this pipeline, from the minors, the Orioles will not have a top five farm system in baseball. That's okay. Those guys hit. That's okay. And maybe some of these other guys will turn into be those types of prospects in coming years. But these are the ones that exist in the system right now. There's going to be another number one pick that's going to come into the system this year. And, you know, Colton Kowser might keep developing into a player that can be viewed that way down the road. But he's not thought of in that way. This is the group. And it's two, maybe three. So he'll get to manage those guys, the ones that matter this year. Beyond 2022 kind of irrelevant when we talk about the prospects that matter beyond 2022 also kind of suggests he can't get fired which as we know is not a thing there is no rule I know the Orioles don't like to pay people to not do their job I understand there's maybe a history of like Dan Duquette had one foot out the door but you forced him to stick around through the end of his contract anyway but there's nothing that says that if you think you need a different manager to guide a team, you couldn't fire the current manager, particularly since he does not get paid that much money. Like, you're not talking about inheriting $15 million worth of money that you have to pay to somebody if you fire Brandon Hyde. So the idea that this guarantees that Brandon Hyde is going to be here beyond 2022, also not the case. The Orioles could choose to fire Brandon Hyde at the end of the year and simply say, we think we need to go in a different direction if this were to say bottom out. If things fall apart, falling in love with a broken heart, I guess that's why they say good things fall apart, then they absolutely can make that decision and go a different direction than Brandon Hyde. It's why I think the Brandon Hyde side of the conversation is one that's worth bringing up every day when we do this this bit, this 60-second thing, because it is relevant to me. Is Brandon Hyde actually going to be allowed to see this through? For the most part, we've all assumed not. But if the Orioles can be competitive, more competitive than we expected this year, particularly without John Means, then that becomes a relevant conversation. At some point, you acknowledge, hey, look, he's doing more than we could have asked him to do with this group of players. Maybe he has a unique touch or a unique feel with this particular group, and he should be kept around to give him a shot with them. I wouldn't bet on it, but, you know, in the world where the Orioles don't love to spend additional money, like... Maybe so. Maybe he can earn that opportunity. 
So that's the only thing that jumped out at me about reading sort of the reaction to that story yesterday about Brandon Hyde is it felt like it was an acceptance that he's definitely the manager in 2023. And... Man, that's not how this works. Yeah, if if they lose a hundred games again, and it looks like they probably will, uh, and he has he has these top prospects on the team for more than half the year, you I feel like you have to take a serious look at at, at the manager he, again. It's it's going to depend on whether or not they feel like they're ready to actually spend money to get a manager. Because the idea that you're just going to be able to go pick someone and and say, hey, you're going to want to come manage Adley Rutschman, right? Like they know you don't spend money either. Mm-hmm. So it's going to cost something to get that person, and are the Orioles ready to do that? In in theory, they should be, maybe, but are they? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. They might very well internally say, well, let's just do this one more year with Brandon Hyde and go for there, but you also don't like having lame duck managers, and that's part of the reason why you do give extensions, and so at no point is your manager in the final year of his contract. But part of the reason you do that is because you also know you can always fire them before the end of that. If the choice is either we got to give you another year or we can just fire you at this point, it doesn't cost us all that much to just fire you. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of the answer. I mean, I don't know. They haven't told me, believe it or not. They've kept me in the dark about how this is all going to go, which is stunning because normally I'm the first person that gets this type of information. And I don't know if it, it might be impacted by things that go on the rest of the year. I don't know how they're measuring Brandon Hyde. Because to your point, Paul, they're going to lose a lot of games, almost certainly. But what's the number by which internally they believe Brandon Hyde has surpassed expectations? What's the number by which they think he's done a good job? If they win 70 games somehow, would they say, dude, this guy's really good? But if they win 70 games by August and then they lose their last 20, would they then turn around and say, nope, this fell apart, it's a disaster, it's got to go? I I don't know. We can't predict the future in that way. Not that I think that they're going to win 70 games by August. Let me make that clear. (laughs) Not a chance. But you understand what I mean is that things can – not all win totals are created equal. Sometimes you do really well in a certain stretch and then, you know – S hits the fan. And and the other thing is, how did you lose those games? Also it, relevant. It, it, were you getting your ass kicked? Were you competitive in them as they've been a few times of late? Like Those are all relevant questions. I don't know. But I don't think it's a guarantee that Brandon Hyde is the manager next year just because his contract goes through next season. I, I don't think it works that way. I, I think we know it doesn't work that way. I think it means he could be the manager next year without getting a new contract. But I don't think it means he will be. And I do think as we have these conversations throughout the year, one of the things we're going to be talking about is, does it seem like, is there a way that we can judge that the manager is doing a good job? And so far, for the entirety of Brandon Hyde's tenure, I'd sort of say, I don't know. There's no way to tell. It's very difficult to tell. I I don't really know if Brandon Hyde's a a good manager or not. Unfortunately, that's just the reality of the circumstances. Orioles will wrap up the series in New York this afternoon. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Speaking of the Baltimore Orioles, 
this man took a couple minutes for us uh, before the game last night. Appreciate him doing that. Uh, he's off to a very good start. He's Spencer Watkins, pitcher for your Baltimore Orioles, and he's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Been a pretty good start to the season for our next guest. Through three starts, he is looking quite good and uh, looked really good in Anaheim the other night when he outdueled Noah Syndergaard, made Shohei Otani look foolish, and now he gets ready to return home and pitch this weekend against the Red Sox. It is a pleasure to welcome into the program Orioles pitcher Spencer Watkins, who's with us now on GCR. Spencer, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, Glenn. First off, I appreciate the kind words there. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, awesome. Appreciate you having me on. I, man, I got to imagine it's feeling good for you right now. Can you just sort of take me through after getting that first taste a year ago? What were the off season was like? What were the priorities? Did you feel really good about where you were coming into this year? Yeah, you know, getting that that first taste of the big leagues is is something everybody, you know, every young baseball player dreams of. So to get that opportunity was, you know, incredible, and I can't thank the Orioles organization enough for believing in me for that. And uh, and it just kind of segued into my off season, made me, you know, a little bit hungrier, I'd say, than more years, the years in the past. You know, I've always been hungry for success, but you know, there's something about getting back to the big leagues that that may drive you a little bit more. So going into uh, into the off season and. And uh, um, luckily, we were able to get you know some stuff figured out with the Orioles prior to the lockout and everything. So I had an idea of where I was headed, mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I knew I had an opportunity to to pitch in the big leagues with the Orioles. So you know my drive in the offseason was to do whatever I could to, to put me in a position to do that. We've seen this new or at least improved slider this season from you. Can you take me through? adding that a little bit into your repertoire and it, it seems like that fourth pitch has really been critical in the success that we've seen from you early on. Yeah, yeah. So the slider has been fairly new the last two weeks. Um, something our pitching coach Chris Holt kind of brought to me as an idea. You know, we had messed around with some thoughts last year on it and, you know, we were working through adding the change up and everything last year. So once we got to a point where we felt that was a good addition, we, we you know, stretched out to see if we could make the ball move a little bit of a different direction more than north and south we can go some east and west so yeah we we, we worked around with a grip something that that's uh my our pitching coach and our analytics team brought to us and we've just been you know fine-tuning it in the bullpens and and been able to kind of showcase it a little bit here and there in the game when you say that it came in the last two weeks like i feel like i would be terrified to introduce something at the major i'd be like hey man maybe we do that in the off season right like maybe we do that in the spring maybe not when like you know these are the games that count and that i'm going to be judged by and these stats will hang over me for forever were you at all nervous trepidatious about doing that at the major league <laughs> yeah you know there was there was a little bit of second guessing happening but um you know, the work we had put in prior to that first game in Oakland where I busted it out, you know, I felt really good with it. I felt comfortable and I felt like I was, you know, confident enough to bring it into a game. And, and something that kind of has been instilled in me throughout my career is, is you know, you just kind of, you compete with what you got. And, and you know, something so I kind of just took a little bit from that and said, you know what, let's give this a shot and see, see how it plays. And, you know. Luckily, it was it was playing out pretty well. Yeah, it worked out okay. There's no doubt about that. Spencer Watkins is with us here on GCR. The Orioles are back home this weekend taking on the Red Sox, and what's very cool is that they have extended the 1992 pricing for tickets, so you can get tickets starting as low as $4 throughout this homestand. <laughs> yeah, right? That does, that's that's awesome. pretty pretty good, right? That's fantastic. Of yeah, course, absolutely. Of course, you remember lots of things about 1992, Spencer, right? Like, since you sure, were... I was just, I was learning how to drink milk at that, <laughs> at that point in time um so yes get get your tickets right now as the orioles return home this weekend um spencer you mentioned that start in oakland i know the first one w- was decent but a little bit shaky 
did did that start do something for you that that you pitched so well and deeper into the game that that gave you an amount of confidence about what might be to come? You know, I think uh, the Oakland game was a good kind of pace setter for me. You know, the first game, get you know the first one out of the way, get some you know any sort of jitters or anything, clean up any sort of uh, or knock off any rust, I should say, um, with the shortened spring and everything. So um, it was a good pace kind of to get into Oakland and, and have some success with, you know, everything we've been working on, you know, this, the, the pitching staff as well. I mean, the staff as a whole we have here is incredible and, and addressing things between, you know, between starts or between outings for guys and, and having good days of work. So um, we put a lot of really good work going into that Oakland series. And then, you know, to be able to execute the stuff we had worked on, whether it was mechanical or, or pitch sequencing or things like that um, is a big confidence boost going into, you know, to LA as well as, um, you know, these next few starts. And then on top of that, just how incredible our pitching staff and throwing is a confidence boost to all of us. You know, you see all of our, each guy go out and, and you want to go out there and duplicate what he's doing. Um, so it's, it's been a good, good kind of, um, atmosphere as a whole leading up to these, these these starts you talk about you know obviously you know there was not much expected of this staff coming into this season and look you know technically i guess on opening day you didn't know that you're gonna be part of this staff at that point um did, did that create a chip on the shoulder type of mentality did you guys try to use look brute what bruce is doing is nuts i mean it's insane what bruce is doing to start the season did, did, you, did you guys talk about that at all or sort of say like hey we've got something to prove here you know, I think you know all of us are are at a point where we're making names for ourselves. Yeah, you know, we you, we we're all young, we're all new in the big leagues in a sense, and and we're out here, you know, have it with a great opportunity ahead of us. And and you know, something in spring training, uh, we had a really great team meeting, just kind of saying, you know what, you know, their expectations are one thing, but it's how we how we bounce, how we how we respond, and how we go about our business um, is another thing. So that's something I think everybody took in, into their hearts as a whole, and. And is using that as just a little bit of motivation to kind of just keep pushing and, and seeing what we can do and and what kind of uh, kind of ways we can make. It. Are you the type? So after the start in Anaheim, you know everybody said, "Boy, that was great from Spencer Watkins, right? That was everything you could ask for him against a tough yeah. lineup." Are you the type of person that can feel good about that, or are you the type of person that goes home and says, "Yeah, but I'm still pissed about what happened against Trout"? <laughs> you know, I could definitely once I separate myself from the field, I'm able to you know, assess my outings and, and really see all the positives that are there. You know, there's frustration during, you know, I'm a competitive guy, so there's frustration during whether it's, you know, an, an, a mis-executed pitch or a result or whatever that is. But once I step away from the, the diamond, you know, I can assess my outing. And I can pull, I can always pull away a lot of positives. That's been, that's been something I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be able to do is, is pull out those positives, even if it's a bad outing um, and, and line some stuff up that we can work on in that week. But uh yeah, I've, I've always been a guy that can kind of pull out the positives um, pretty easily. Yeah, and by the way, that wasn't a bad outing, obviously. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, of that, course. Was, a, yeah. that like, was a good outing. In the, in the past, yeah, right. in the past, you know, if I say I had a bad outing, I've, yeah. I'm still able to pull, step aside, say, hey, you know, I right. did this really well, or you right. know, things like that. So I've, I've always I've always been able to do that. Probably, probably a healthier way to approach <laughs> being a... Being yeah, because there were definitely times when I didn't do that, and yeah. that doesn't fare very well. So you learn, you know, as, as you go through your career, you learn how to, essentially how to be a pro, you know, you learn how to go through that stuff. Where did that come from? Did, did somebody teach you that, or is it just being in baseball for so long, eventually you had to be like, did somebody get sick of you criticizing yourself constantly in certain, certain circumstances? <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been very fortunate in my career to have phenomenal coaches through the Tiger system as well as here. And then also uh, an incredible, incredible group of veterans that was always in um, t- 
Toledo when I was there with the Tigers. We have, you know, we have guys like Edwin Jackson, Jerry oh, Salt yeah. Mafia, you know, big name guys who have done this for a while and done, you know, had a lot of success. So I would, Edwin Jackson was a guy that I kind of looked upon a lot. Um, just kind of, and you know, it, it was really only a brief time that I was there with him, but I just, you know, kind of just kept an eye on him and how he went about his business. And he was always focusing on positives, whether he got, gave up nine in an inning or he went nine innings with no runs. He was, he was always looking at positive stuff, always, always talking about positive things. So, you know, things like that, just seeing from the veterans as I, as I've gone through my career and just pick things from their brain or, or things like that and just, and try and emulate what they're trying to do because they've done it for a while and there's been they've been very successful. Spencer, I, I don't know if you got to spend much time with them in spring training, and I don't want to take anything away from your current catchers, but obviously everyone's excited about Adley Rutschman, who's looking like he's going to be here pretty soon as he's got the assignment in Aberdeen this week and it's off to a good start. How excited are you knowing just how talented that young man is? How excited are you for the opportunity to work with him here in the coming weeks? Yeah, no, he, he's he's impressive. I mean, you know, he's he's got that that uh, that top prospect name for a reason. Um, but it, a ton of excitement, absolutely. I mean, he's he's far advanced for for his years in in, in the game, and it's it, like I said before, it's just impressive to watch him go about his business. Um, I've I've gotten to spend a decent amount of time with him a little okay. bit in AAA last year, and then spring training the last two years. Um, and he's, I mean, he's an absolute sponge. He soaks in every bit of info you, you can get from us, from other catchers, things like that. And, uh, and he's got an immense feel for, for the game behind the plate. It's, 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 it's pretty incredible and it's fun to watch. It's cool. Obviously we're, everybody's very fired up about that right now. We're just fired up about the fact that you guys have been awfully competitive. Are you, are you feeling a sense of, Hey, maybe we're a little bit better than people realize we are. We feel not just the pitchers, but as on the whole, right. The, the bats have come alive a little bit. Like, oh yeah. Are, are you absolutely you feeling these that? are oh it's it, being able to sit in the dugout for nine innings to watch these guys play is, is a pleasure i mean there's never been an inning where you feel like our guys aren't going to come out and, and and put up you know a crooked number real easily you know so it, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch our boys do that uh do what they do best and just continue to compete um as well as the pitching staff putting up zeros and and as well as guys picking each other up you know if the pitching staff may not have the best day the hitters have been there to pick us up or or vice versa, we've been able to do the same. So it's been a really, really cool dynamic to just have kind of everybody, knowing everybody's putting in 100% to the same direction. Spencer, I, I'm, I'm going to let you go here in a second, as I know you're uh, getting ready for a baseball game tonight. But but two things quickly. One, what can you tell us about, you know, as we talk about a team that's trying to perform beyond expectations, your skipper, Brandon Hyde, what, what does he mean to your group of guys? And you've kind of got a bunch of guys that kind of come up with him as a manager, right? It's... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hyder Hyder is a, an incredible leader, um, incredible you know manager. He's he he's instilled since the first day of spring. You know, we're we're here to perform. We're not here to to you know try and fulfill expectations or you know a lot of people want us to under um, underfill these expectations. He says that doesn't matter. That's different. We're we're here to perform. We're a big league ball club, and and we'll uh, we'll conduct ourselves as so. And and he does a great job of making sure everybody's where they need to be, um, making sure everybody's in the right mindset. Um, it's just an all-around good leader. That's awesome. And then tell me a little bit about you, Spencer. You know, I, I tried to follow you on Twitter and Instagram, and I saw you were private, and so I get that, man. Not everybody wants all their business out there. But what do we need to know about you, dude? Like, what outside of baseball, what, what are you all about? What are you into? What is life like for Spencer Watkins? Yeah, outside of baseball, I'm, I'm super easygoing. I think you'd, uh, you could ask anybody in the clubhouse, outside of the clubhouse. I'm a very easygoing guy. Um, I just love to kind of take the days as they come. But uh, something I really enjoy doing is 
is teaching the game. Um, cool. I've coached I've coached youth baseball for the past four years in the off seasons. Um, I've had the same I've had a same eleven U team. There are now four or fifteen now, or sorry, a twelve U team that's now sixteen um, that I've been coaching the past few years, and just a lot of connections with them, and and then as well doing lessons and stuff like that, and just spreading the game throughout Arizona. And, and stuff like that, as well as just spending quality time with uh, my beautiful wife and my family. And we got two dogs at home. And, awesome. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, I try and just take life as it comes uh, and I, enjoy it. Important question. What are the dogs? I, I asked this only because I recently learned that Grayson <laughs> Rodriguez's dog is named Ace, and it's my favorite thing that I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. What are your dogs' names? We have we have two dogs. We have Leo, who's a uh, German Shepherd Border Collie mix, and we have Luna, who's a Black Lab. Okay, uh, all right. mix. so you're not willing Leo to go as Luna. far. You're not willing to go as far as Ace, but I get that. No, not <laughs> not quite Ace. Yeah, not quite there yet. But uh, yeah, Leo and Luna, that's our two babies. Again, uh, uh, 1992 pricing throughout the entire homestand this weekend and next week for the Baltimore Orioles. Tickets start as low as four dollars to get out and see the birds starting this weekend against the Red Sox. Spencer Watkins, man, really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us. Uh, look forward to seeing you this weekend and uh, look forward to continuing to see you and the entire team's success as the year goes on awesome man i appreciate you having me on thank you all right that's spencer watkins joining us here on gcr and i do i am aware brian pointed out this there are some restrictions about you know when you could get the 1992 pricing for which game go to orioles.com they'll explain all of that for you as far as the uh, 1992 pricing for tickets is concerned but uh, Spencer Watkins, an interesting, you know, a guy that can maybe pitch his way into being a perhaps commodity for the Orioles. We'll find out. I'm not trying to trade him away already, but pitching is the one thing that actually can get you something. And even if somebody comes into a year not thought of as being a, a guy that anybody wanted necessarily, if somebody is proving that they can go out every fifth day and deliver against major league hitters for the first three to four months of the season – that's an asset. That's an asset because every team has a need for that. I'm not saying that you can get something significant, but it becomes an asset. That's the one thing that no matter what, whatever the track record is, everybody needs it. So got a long way to go. We're three starts in, long way to go. But Spencer Watkins perhaps elevating his profile for the Baltimore Orioles. We come back in our draft draft. Ken Zalas is going to join us. We're going to pick the players that we think will be picked by the Ravens. We'll explain. That's next. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. 
Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio glory days grill spring seasonal menu is now available it includes the opener the flash fried pork belly with the korean number two sauce it also includes the Cracker Jack Sunday. <sighs> need it, need it, need it. Baseball cut sirloin, so much more. Get the Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Find it there. The spring seasonal menu available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. All right, we have reached the day of the NFL draft. Tonight, first round of the draft. Project Game Day Draft Special will be available in the same locations, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash radio, youtube.com slash pressboxonline. The man who will be hosting this year is I Am Unavailable. He is our NFL Draft Analyst here at Pressbox. He is Ken Zalis. He's with us now here on GCR. What's up, KZ? What's up? How you doing? I'm all right. Draft day. Yeah. I'm happy. Well, it'll We all made be, it. It'll all be over soon. Um, what, uh, what should we be expecting tonight? What's, what's, what's going on with you guys? Well, we have a, we have a cast of thousands, thousands or, or, ten, or tens. I don't, I don't know. We have a lot of people coming on, you know, that you and I've done this long enough. Uh, the draft show is like none other because the twists and turns, that happen at a moment's notice and trades yes. and all that stuff. That, so or we like, spend, or we spend two rounds rooting for an interior lineman that no one's ever heard of, and and then we pick a different interior lineman that no one's ever right, heard of. Right, 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 and and the, and it's just 
you know, so so I may have ten or so people lined up, including some of our favorites like Stan the Fan and and uh, Bo Smoka and Jeremy Kahn and a couple other draft analysts from around Baltimore and 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 beyond. Uh, but I can't tell you when they're going to be on or or how long they're going to be on because the draft dictates that for us. So it'll be fun. But me and uh, Joe Serpico. Uh, local sports writer uh, will uh, will take you through, and uh, always a lot of fun, and uh, uh, always a lot of anticipation of you know to finally put some of these names to teams. And Paul Valley is going to be joining you guys tonight as well. Paul Valley is so. going to be joining us, yeah. and a big, big thank you to Paul Valley. It cannot be done without him. There you go. So we're looking forward to that tonight. Now this is a tri- by the way. Before we get into the draft draft, I just. I saw your most recent mock draft, and I made a comment about this last night. It As is, did I. It is overwhelming Absurd. now. Absurd. It, suddenly Absurd. in the last 48 hours, literally everyone has zeroed in on Jordan Davis as being the Baltimore Ravens selection with the number 14 pick. Now, as you yep. know, I am a Jordan Davis guy. I have been a Jordan Davis guy for some time. Um, I, I didn't maybe fall in love with him the way that I once fell in love with, say, Corey Davis and obsessed over him for months, but this has been the closest thing I've had to someone I have coalesced around with the 14th pick in the draft. I am convinced that there is too much. I mean, it's it's everyone. It's, it's Jeremiah. It's, it's Matt Miller. It's all of all everybody, of them. Everybody's on it. And here's, and here's why everybody's on it. Um, I, I, I think if one of the top four edge rushers or one of the top two cornerbacks were to fall into the Ravens lap, they would be the pick because that not only are you getting a a premium player, but you're getting a premium player in a really big need for the Ravens edge rusher and cornerback to me are the top two needs. If Ronnie Stanley is healthy, like they say he's going to be, we'll play that game later tonight. Yep. Um, but with all those, in all these mocks, and, and, and including the final one I did, all those guys are gone, and they're gone really early. Now, could the Ravens jump up to nine or ten and maybe get one of those guys and, and you know, take a couple of the fourth rounders uh, to get there? Sure, they can. But when I do a mock and when lots of people do mocks, we don't like to predict trades because yep. they're, they're very difficult. You're, you're yes. just, you're just literally throwing everything into the wind and you're saying, well, I think X player belongs on X team. So I'm going to make it. So, and I'm going to make this trade. You're not looking at, you're not looking at what it would cost to get there and what picks they have. It's just, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. So I never predict trades in my, in my mock. So at 14, I think that's the guy. I think he makes a lot of sense. And I am not, I didn't start this process as big a Jordan Davis fan as you did, but he's one of one and he's a unicorn and, and, and guys this size don't happen in the NFL, you know, and you have a chance to take him, and he fits what the Ravens like to do. Whether he can rush the passer or not is immaterial to me. He wasn't asked to do it. Do I think he can? At his size, speed, and strength, yes, I think he can. Do I think he's going to be a 10 to 12 
uh, sack guy? No, I don't, because I don't think that that's what the Ravens want him to do. Well, I mean, I, with I also... There's, not, with Haloti yes. Nada... There's, a, there's, a, a one, there's one guy like that. There's one. Yes. There's, there's one, one player. Now, 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 he could be that guy because he's, you know, he's bigger than that guy. Hey, by the way, he's faster than that guy. Um, you know, but... I just, he solves a lot of the problems. Is it the biggest need for the Ravens? No. Um, is he po- possibly the best player available on the board at 14? I think he could be, and that's why he's the pick for me. All right. We will find out. So it is time for our draft draft. If you've never been with us for this before, the idea is very simple. We're going to select players. We I don't know how many because it's going to be time dependent. Oh, what, my God. What we're selecting <laughs> is who we think the Ravens might draft at some point during this weekend. To be abundantly clear, we have no effing clue. We're just guessing. But when we do these things, like when you all do your mock drafts, we want there to be something that we do it for. There needs to be something at stake. Oh, steak sounds good. We should get that baseball cut sirloin from Glory Days Grill. (laughs) Um, So there's a penalty that comes with whoever gets the fewest. And it's the fewest and ties. So like if two of us both have zero players, then both of us have to pay the penalty. If somehow we draft these players and all of us only get, like, one, then we all have to pay the penalty. That's the way it works. This is what's at stake. The loser of this draft. Uh, Ken, you you uh, you like Chris Lindstrom's brother? That's your guy? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I just want to let you know. I really took what you gave me for yeah. quote homework. Yeah, this, seriously. this was this was kind of weak. It was kind of weak sauce. Okay, right, let me throw it was, this out. It there. was weak. Let me let me throw but this out there. It's literally right? it's literally the only thing I can right, find. Let me throw this out there. So what we know of the penalty is loser has to eat a giant bowl of watermelon with mustard all over it, which is just a nightmare. Loser also has to, in honor of Vegas, perform the Imagine Dragons hit Thunder. I Ken found that um, Alec Lidstrom does these food reviews where he wears a Tommy Bahama shirt and an apron and a chef's hat, which honestly does not sound like that much of a penalty. It's certainly nothing like wearing a Quinn Miners belly shirt. So here's my suggestion instead, Casey. I am, of okay. course, the MC for Project Runway tomorrow night, and for that okay. event, I have to wear – or not have to. I'm choosing to wear for the fun oh, – I don't want to give it away – a very special themed blazer for the evening. It's a okay. very silly blazer that I'm wearing for the evening. Would we substitute loser has to wear said blazer for this particular morning instead of the dumb I, Tommy I, Bahamas? I'm shirt? I'm fine with it. Okay. I just thought with the whole watermelon thing that I we hear were, you. We were, it's we, a bit. All right, fine, you know, fine. fine. Tommy, it's no, you know good. what? No, no, no. That's a good argument. Tommy Bahama shirt. That's all I care about. You got to wear a Tommy Bahama shirt. That's it. That's the end of it. I don't care about the rest of no, it. No, with fit. a with an apron and a chef hat. Fine, Tommy while Bahama eating, while eating it. Fine, while eating fine. the the watermelon. Tommy Bahama shirt, apron, and chef's hat. Now, uh, Paul has never participated in one of these, so Paul, I'm going to give you the choice. It's a snake draft. Do you want the first pick or do you want the third pick to be the snake? You, you do need to turn your microphone on. The <laughs> first pick. You want the first pick. So Paul wants the first pick. KZ was the loser last year. So, KZ, I will allow you the choice. Do you want the second pick or do you want to be the snake? 
I'll take the snake. You'll take the snake. So Paul will have the first pick. I will have the second pick. And KZ will have the third pick. Again, this is not just the first round. This is the entirety of the draft. So we will not know the loser of this until Saturday. KZ and I will be doing a recap show Saturday from about 4 to 6. So we should know at that point who the loser is. And that will be a lot of fun. We should. Paul Valley, you have – oh, the draft is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That's where Rita and I will be this evening. We want you to come join us in the FanDuel Sportsbook. I did get confirmation betting is available during the draft. So that's a big thumbs up for tonight. You will be able to make bets on who somebody's going to take. It probably will not be synced up with the TV because there will be leaks. So, like, when the pick gets made, you probably won't be able to race up and make the bet on the next pick because it will probably have already been leaked out by that point. But you can bet live during the draft tonight with us in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That is good news. Great Eights memorabilia is also going to be there with some tremendous autographed giveaways. All right, Paul, with the first pick in our draft draft. Jordan Davis. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Everyone is coalesced around it. Um, I'm going to go out of the first round with my first pick. Um, if they don't get an edge rusher in round one, it, can it feels like just about everybody's seven-round mocks have all included Josh Paschal from Kentucky as a Baltimore Ravens pick. He is going to be my first pick in the draft draft. Okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. If they don't take Jordan Davis, um, I'm going to say they take Trevor Penning mm -hmm. out of Northern Iowa. And I'm also going to say that they have a possibility to trade up in this draft and maybe take Jermaine Johnson. Okay, Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher from Florida State. I, too, feel like I should have some sort of action in round one. I'll go the opposite way. What if they trade back? Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa will be my selection with the second pick in our draft draft. All right, I'm taking uh, Nicholas Petit Ferret. Is it Ferret? Is that how you pronounce Who? it? Who? Uh, yeah, offensive the tackle. Ohio State tackle. Offensive tackle out of Ohio State. This is this is proving how far I have not done my homework behind. This is what oh, happens. Oh, man, he's a, he's a second or third rounder, man. Oh, oh, you know what? Never mind. I do know who this is. I'm sorry. I do know who this is. I apologize. I'm sorry. I don't know why I didn't. I know who that is. All right, and I'm going to take Chig Aconquo. Another name that I feel like has come up a lot in Ravens' seven-round mocks, and I don't know if it's because of a fit or just because we know who the guy is. I, I can't figure that out, but I hear you. The Maryland tight end, Chig Aconquo. All right, uh, my next pick in the uh, draft draft, I, too, will go offensive line. In fact, I will go offensive tackle. A name that has come up quite a bit. I don't know how to pronounce it either. Certainly Ken doesn't. Daniel Falele or Falele from Minnesota. Falele. Falele. Yes. <laughs> you want me to okay. trust you? Wait a second. Are you asking me to trust you about a pronunciation? In this one, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue with a possible first rounder, um, probably wasting three of my first three picks. But uh, Trent McDuffie, the cornerback out of Washington. Sure. And then I will go for an offensive lineman a little bit later in the draft, Rashid Walker out of Penn State. All right. Um, I've kind of started cornering centers. I'm going to go Cole Strange from Chattanooga as my next pick. I'm going to take running back James Cook. 
Ooh, we know he visited, of course, the younger brother of Dalvin Cook. Yes. Um. Mm, mm. Uh, mm, George George down. Pickens. George Pickens. Where are you at George okay. Pickens, KZ? Um, love the talent. Uh, too many red flags for me. Okay. Um, just, just the talent is overwhelming. I mean, it's he's unbelievable. The talent is overwhelming. It's just I mean, look. Somebody may take a chance with him in the first round. The way we've seen some of the some of the wide receivers jump off the board uh, uh, the last couple of years, but um, I, I love the talent. Um, deep draft. You got to get them somewhere in the second round. Um, you know, I, I I would probably weigh on the the red flags winning out for me on right. on him. Uh, we're in the fifth round of our draft draft. Ken Zalis is with us. I need in on the tight end market. I'm going to go with Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go to a favorite of Ravens Nation when you see some of these mock drafts. Um, the Ed Rusher out of UAB, Alex Wright. Ooh, you love this guy. Love him. I, I'm, I'm talking him to existence. Uh, the other guy that I'm going to talk into existence a little bit later, um, Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. I wanted to steal him from you, so I'm a little bit disappointed about that. I wanted to take him out from underneath you. I am going to, uh, I think, choose the corner of the tight end market, and I'm also going to take Jelani Woods from Virginia. I just feel like somewhere in those mid-rounds, the Baltimore Ravens, they're getting themselves a tight end, and I got now a couple of options there. So I'll take Jelani Woods as well. Josh Ross. Okay. Somebody that uh, we had on this program from uh, Michigan, linebacker. Yeah, I think the Ravens need some help at linebacker. He played at Michigan under under Mike McDaniel. I just feel like if they're going to take He definitely a... didn't play under Mike McDaniel. He didn't play there? He played for Mike McDonald. M- Mike McDonald. But not Mike McDaniel. Mike Mc... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, you know what? A lot of people have made the exact same mistake. You are you are an exclusive I, company of everyone. I call Luis Severino Pedro Severino. That's a, they're definitely different guys. I yeah. assure you of that, yeah. too. Um, let's go Drake Jackson, edge rusher out of USC. You know, there's been some talk about him maybe going a little bit earlier than people expected, Ken. Yeah, there's been some first-round buzz uh, on him. I uh, I don't have that type of grade on him, I'll be honest. I, I There are a lot of guys that I like. Um, a lot more, but uh, it only takes one, as they say. And uh, good player. He's going to go in the top two to three rounds if he doesn't uh, wind up in the first round. But very usually when you, you all of a sudden get this late movement, there's probably there's usually truth to it. All right. Uh, very good. I, too, want to dip, ba- dip back in. I think I just said something else there. <laughs> I want to dip back into the edge rusher uh, department. I am um, I am not really sure exactly where some of these guys are going to end up going. I'm I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna do it. I'm, David Ajabo is going to be my pick here. That was my next pick. And my issue here is that I, I'm starting to get a sense that there are people that still think he could end up finding his way into the first round. Ken. Uh yeah. I I think um, I think when you look at the back half of the first round. Um, you look at Kansas City. You you look at you're starting to get into some playoff teams um, that rosters are pretty deep. I I, I can see it. Um, uh, I think he winds up in the second, but it, it's not 
he's he's in that list of about seven guys that I left out of my mock that not going to surprise me that he's in there. All um, right. All right. I'm going to continue um, uh, with the edge because I, I think they get two in this draft at some point. And I'm going to go Cameron Thomas, the edge out of San Diego State. Um, and I'm also going to go, I, I think, if they do not take Jordan Davis um, in the first round, uh, somewhere along the way they are going to grab uh, interior defensive lineman. And that guy could be Thomas Booker. Ooh, the Gilman alum, Baltimore's own. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like, I like him, him a lot. All right, um, I need to get into the cornerback market because I have not touched it yet, and they're definitely taking cornerbacks, so that's a mistake on my part. How about Tariq Woolen from uh, Texas San Antonio? How you feel about him, huh? Love this kid. Love him. Love him. There are going to be teams that are, are going to say, oh, he plays a little bit loose and things like that, takes too many risks. But size, speed, uh, you just can't teach the type of things that he does. Played at uh, Texas, El Paso, so a little bit step up in in, in uh, competition, but really like that kid. All right, Paul, two picks. I'm going back-to-back corners here. I'm going to take Derek Stingley. Ooh, there's a lot of talk about him going as early as number three now in this draft. Yeah. Where, where did that come from, by the way? Well, because of the in, you know, the the only thing knocked him down is the injuries, and but to me, it's enough to knock him below Gardner. Um, that that would be that would be an interesting. That'd be a, a lot of trust. I mean, what, what's it, lymph fracture or whatever it's called uh, uh, that he has in his foot with the pins? I mean, that's real, and 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 you know, players struggle with that later in their careers. And then I'm going Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. Like him. All right. All right, so there's a couple early picks. I am um, – I got to start dipping the later into the draft. I got to go that route. Um, I know. You know what? This would be one that Ken would be excited about if the Baltimore Ravens were to make that pick. I'm going with Missouri running back Tyler Beatty. I would be excited about that. But, um, you know, it's a, that's a – It'll be the first NFL draft pick that I personally know. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> was at the friend school for a little while. That would be that yeah. would be fun if it were to play out that way. So I haven't dipped my toe too much in the cornerback uh, market here. Um, I'm going to go Colby Bryant out of Cincinnati. Uh, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I was going to say. Kobe Bryant. I was like, wait a second. Um, and then, and then I'm going to go Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. Cam Taylor Britt. All right, we are in round ten of our draft draft. I too want to go back to the cornerback. Um, Tariq Castro Fields from Penn State is going to be my pick in the tenth round. Tariq Castro Fields, and you're going to start noticing a theme about. Uh, and I, I'm not going to tell you just yet, but you'll start to notice it as I make a few picks. Nick Cross. Okay, another uh, Maryland player. You're cornering the market on uh, Maryland guys right now. You're. Uh, I just feel like they're going to take somebody from Maryland because of the fact that they get so much hate when they don't. Okay. Um, I just look. I, it's been a, it's been a little while since they've done it. Yeah, I just ha- I just have a feeling. Okay. Um, and let's go. The good thing is they avoided Stefan Diggs because that would have been a disaster if they had taken that guy. Glad glad they didn't do that. Has anybody taken Logan Hall yet? Uh, nope. Nope. Logan Hall. Okay. Um. Oh boy. 
Oh, boy. I am going to go... I'm going to go back to the tight end position. Uh, you know what? No, I don't think I have... I haven't taken a wide receiver yet. I need a wide receiver. How about... Uh, how about Kevin Austin from Notre Dame? How about him? What do you... You're the draft guy. I, look, it's solid play. I mean, we're, we're looking at the fourth round for him. Um, you know, got some speed to yeah. him, uh, underutilized that, so in my opinion. So it, interesting you say that. Why? Nothing. Keep going. What was so weird? Just, just, so weird? just file it away. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just file it away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go uh, Max Mitchell, the Louisiana tackle. Okay. And uh, do, 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 do. who do I like? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go way off the board. Way, oh. way off the board, and say Eric Johnson, defensive tackle out of Missouri State. You, I know you're up on him. Oh go God, you, you know how much I know about <laughs> Eric Johnson from Missouri State? Eric, Eric, oh, Eric who? with an E. I think I said that. Eric, I'm pretty sure I said that. I thought you said Garrett. No, that's, that's no, okay. No, I think I'm pretty sure I said it the right way. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to wide receiver David Bell from Purdue is my next pick. Love that guy. I, I really like him. I, he's not getting enough attention. In where, do, where do you think he goes in this draft? Uh, I think he's a second rounder. Oh, here. wow. All right. So it, doesn't, it does not fit the bill that I was looking to fit exactly. I'm going to go back to tight end, Jalen Weidermeyer. That's, um, that's Texas A&M, right? Yeah. 6'3", 255. Yep. <sighs> All right. And uh, Nick Benito. Okay. Oh, Second round edge rusher. All right, that comes back to me. Uh, I am going to go. Uh, I need. To, I'll get dip back into the edge rusher market. Um, Kingsley Enogbere from South Carolina. I feel like he's moved up a little bit in recent weeks. Uh, yeah, third, third, fourth round for me. Um, just wrote about him. Uh, he's on one of my. Uh, well, my Ravens mocked it. I do the the might be, could be, maybe in the fourth round for me. Um, you know, excellent off the edge, good speed guy. So, right. so, so like him, like him a lot. Uh, let's go, Luke Godecki, oh. offensive lineman from Central Michigan, ah. and Jalen Watson, cornerback from Washington State. All right, boy. I, I every year I forget. I, know. I forget we get to this portion of the program where I'm like, right? Only Ken knows who these guys are. <laughs> you should be doing a better job of saying something about them when we when we you should be like, ah, here's an interesting tidbit about this guy. Um, uh, what are we in the 14th round? 14th round of this draft. I will go with uh Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean. So anybody that played in the secondary from Cincinnati is getting drafted in this draft at some point. Where do you so, think? Where do you uh, think he's going to go, Brian Cook? Uh, you know, I I I think he's somewhere uh, late day two, early day three. Mm-hmm. I think I, a third, okay. third, fourth round type guy. Okay. Um, safeties are going to be interesting. Um, you know, with Kyle Hamilton seemingly being pushed down in the draft, uh, it'll be interesting how many safeties go in the first round. I think there could be up to three. If you start to see up to three safeties, um, 
in the first round, it means safeties are going to go a lot higher than we all, all right. expected all in right. this draft. Two picks for Paul Valley. All right. I just had him, and I mm, lost him. Mm, not oh, great. Uh, uh, Jojo Doman? Doman? Ah, actually, I know his, yeah. I know his mom quite yeah. well. Central uh, inside linebacker, I'm Oklahoma. Yeah, it's, a, it's a not. It's not what you think it is. I, I promise you that. I did. I was, it was a joke. I, I let it go. I just. I just. Uh, no, you, know, mom, you threw his, that tidbit his, out. His, you threw that tidbit out his, there. I just let it go. His mom isn't. His mom is an agent, actually. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. It would be great news for us if that's where JoJo Doman ends up. Um, Matthew Butler. Yes. What can you tell me about Matthew Butler, Ken? Nothing. All I right. Who, who is it? Six, four, I don't even. Six, I don't even know what position he plays. Six four defensive tackle out of Tennessee, two hundred ninety-seven. Sure. Sure. Okay. Eight, play four three as a tackle or three four as an end. According to who? Um, NFL draft prospects. <laughs> I was gonna. I was just gonna guess it wasn't from Paul Valley that was doing oh, that. I've, I've watched defensive a lot of Matthew Butler. Oh, Matthew. Okay. I, if he's the pick, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just. All, all, right. he's not even on my list. He's not. I have just checked two gonna, lists. Who, but didn't we have a situation like that with Brandon Stevens? Where you're like, what? Yeah, the? I was like, I was like, he was, and he's turned out to be a pretty decent, yeah, decent player, a right. pretty decent player. But I just he was not on my list. How about Brandon Smith, the linebacker from Penn State? I like Brandon Smith, the linebacker from Penn State. Good, you've he's repeated a, the he, sentence. Uh, what? No, I. I, I if he's the pick, I think he fits really well into what the Ravens do defensively. Um, looking for that inside guys, not an outside guys, that inside guy. I'll, I'd be very happy somewhere in those five picks in the fourth round um, that, that that they would grab him. Uh, he may fall into the fifth, um, which would be interesting for me. But, um, yeah, I, I solid, solid tackler. All right. Like All right, two picks for KZ. Two picks for KZ. I have not gone to the um, to the tight end uh, pool at all, so I'm going to go Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State. Okay. And then I'm going to go wide receiver with when Juan Dale Robinson out of Kentucky. Who? Juan Dale oh, oh, Robinson. Yeah. Actually, I, you know what? Out I, of Kentucky. It's not. This is not a good sign for me. This is, by the way, this is what a lot of my contribution is going to be on Saturday's draft recap show. <laughs> hey, tell me about this guy. <laughs> what? Uh, what exactly are we? Uh, we looking at here, Ken? That's what it's going to sound like. All right. Um, I go back to my uh, 16th round pick here in our draft draft on Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, I'll go back to Cincinnati. How about Majai Sanders, the edge rusher? Another one of these edge rushers that, uh, look, anybody, like I said, from Cincinnati that's coming off the edge uh, that, on that defense, um, we got to like him. I think he's he's one of those guys, he had a lot of really early uh, buzz, but uh, kind of cooled off. May find himself into the late third, early fourth round pick. All right. Brian Robinson, running back out of Alabama. Somebody I've heard of. Yay! Yes. yes. People are a little bit worried about his speed, but uh, game film is is solid uh, between the tackles type guy. So uh, I don't I don't see a problem there. And and Darian Beavers. Sure. <laughs> Who? Linebacker out of Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati. Yeah, there Cincinnati, we go. Cincinnati defense. Got to oh, like it. Go back. Got to like that. it. Anybody, like I said, I mean, he's going to go again. He's was one of those early fourth round guys, but um, you know, he he can a uh, little bit slow uh, to me. Um, so more of a fourth round guy, but a short-handed tackler. Uh, how about linebacker Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma? Fast as can be. We'll see if he goes sideline to sideline. I like, I like his uh, his partner a little bit better, but um, uh, certainly so. Will dra- so take the him then. So draft him. Uh, what? I'm just saying. You you don't like my. Uh, pick, they should so. draft all your guys. I agree. I agree with that. That'd be you great. Should, news you should go. That'd be great news. You should go ten for ten. All right. Um, yeah. Let's see. I, what position haven't I gone in a while? Running back, Zamir White out of Georgia. And then I'm going to double dip and say Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State. All right. To give me a couple of late round running backs that they could go after. All right. Um. How about uh, Smoke Monday from Auburn? Okay, solid, solid. Dynamite observation. Solid. That's why they call you the best color analyst in baseball. Paul? Uh, Garrett Wilson. That would be – I've talked about yeah, this scenario. I mean, look, look if they – at 14, mm-hmm. if for some reason the wide receivers are the top players on their board, why not? I do not have an issue with it. I, I, I'm, I'm going on the record. If that's the way the draft falls and those uh, defensive players you want aren't there and you're looking at the secondary offensive linemen or a wide – we did this for Would You Rather Wednesday yesterday. I am completely good with taking – I love these wide receivers. I'm good with it. All right, Tyreek Smith. The edge rusher out of Ohio State? Yep. All right. Okay. That, that, that's a – Third, fourth round, another one of these third, fourth round edge rushers. A lot of edge rushers are going to go in this draft. Uh, just because, you know, as, as Paul just did this with Garrett Wilson, just because, you know, I, I'll give myself a little more action tonight. I will take Charles Cross. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he falls as low, uh, but I have seen him. I, I have seen him from at least two national mockers. Uh, going to the Ravens, so yep. you got that going for you. I do have that going for me, um, which is nice. Uh, by yeah, the way, I was yeah. in a band called the National Mockers. It was uh, uh, no, all right. Go, go. We got to. We're, we're, we're at this point in the draft. We're at this point. Yeah, I, I always know. forget. We got to. Okay. We're, uh, these are rounds nineteen and twenty. We're going to go to twenty-five. That's what we're going to go to. We're going to go to twenty-five. 25. Uh, all right. So we'll pick up center place. center guard Dylan Parham out of Memphis. I think they at some point want to address. Um, the center guard, yeah, and they, then they already did that with Cole Strange. So that's that's too bad for you. Real bummer for you, man. I, I mean, it is a bummer, but yeah. you know, hey, sorry. Um, sorry, sorry for your luck. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, if they go late in uh, or for a defensive tackle, Neil Farrell Jr. out of LSU. Neil Farrell Jr. on the bench out of LSU. Um, sure, it's not Farrell. I will go with uh, you know what it's it, spelled F A R. Thank you, I know. Um, if it would be kind of shameful for me as a Phoenix Suns fan if uh, Chris Paul was selected by the Baltimore Ravens and I hadn't drafted him, so I will go with Chris Paul from Tulsa. 
All right, this is where it's starting to get difficult. Oh, I think it was difficult some time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think you're wrong about that. <laughs> Maybe not where. I think it's been difficult. All right, let me see here. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Luke uh, Fortner, center out of Kentucky. All right, Mrs. Fortner's baby boy. And I feel like going tight end again. Okay. So let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Cole Turner, Nevada. Cole Turner, very good. Uh, I'll dip my toe back into the wide receiver waters. Give me Khalil Shakir from Boise State. Four four three guy, I like him. Give you give you a lot of speed there. I do like um, that. Let's, um, you know, uh, in case the Ravens do trade back in the first round, I think um, one of the guys that they could be looking at uh, is Dax Hill. Safety it's slash very fair corner points. out of Michigan. The, of course, brother of Justice Hill. And then we're going to go back uh, to uh, the cornerback uh, pool and go Josh Job out of Alabama. Okay, Josh Job from Alabama. Uh, it would be very late in the draft, but another guy we've had on this show, and again, there's the Michigan connection and a unique Baltimore connection. I will take Christopher Hinton from Michigan in the 26th round. What what round are we at? We are in the 22nd, sorry. 22nd round. 22nd. Yeah. 22nd round. Yeah, 22nd round. Uh, D'Angelo Malone. I thought you were going to say D'Angelo Vickers, and I had no idea. Yeah, D'Angelo Malone could be could be a Ravens third round pick Ooh. out of Western Kentucky. Ooh. And then Sky Moore. Yeah, Sky Moore. A lot of talk about him suddenly as like a first round guy. Yeah, I could 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 come in. I mean, uh, a lot of people are, have mocked him to Kansas City, uh, figuring he's uh, you know, filling the the Tyreek Hill departure and you know could could go in that direction. All right, uh, we got three. I got three more picks that I got to make in this thing. Um, I'm going to go Marquise Bell from Florida A&M safety. That I also feel like in the early going, everyone in their seven round mock drafts was taking for the Ravens. Yeah, uh, uh, early on, yes. Early on, yes. I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to go. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go Kalen Barnes, cornerback out of Baylor. Sure. Ran a 4-2-3 at the combine. Oh, that's quick. That is quick. Why, why aren't we talking about him more? That's very fast. <laughs> and then I'm going to I'm gonna go with my favorite player in, the, in this draft. Okay. okay? My absolute – no, I'm, I'm being totally serious. Right. I know you're going to laugh. But he's actually, he's actually my favorite player in this draft. And that is Troy Anderson, the linebacker oh, out of Montana. You know State. what? Damn it! I actually wanted to get that guy because I remember okay. you talking about him. This kid Son used to a... be a quarterback. He's played running back. He's now a linebacker. Yeah. He could do, he could be everything. And for a team that likes guys that do multiple things, yeah, he seems like a perfect fit. All right, uh, I'm going to throw just in that that bizarro world scenario where he happens to slip and the Ravens move up. I will take Kayvon Thibodeau here. Okay. I mean, I can use 24th round picks in a lot worse ways. No, I mean, look, he, he's if he 
If he gets past seven and the Giants, I think the Ravens need to be making some phone calls. I'm with you. I am with you. Although we felt the same way about Isaiah Simmons. so We did. You know, there, was, <laughs> there was that. Paul, and your Devin final. James. Yeah, that's true. That's oh well, that one you didn't have to make a move for. I don't want to talk. You about didn't that. have to, but yeah. you know, fell into your lap anyway. Paul, your final picks in our draft draft. Uh, Jamari Sawyer, offensive tackle out of out of uh, Georgia. Who? Probably, pro- yeah. probably pronouncing his last uh, name. Just uh, out of Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And Sawyer. Sawyer. Okay. Um, yep. And then looks looks like Sawyer and Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Sawyer. Whatever. Justin, there's, there's a couple of out of Georgia. Yeah. Justin so. Ross, wide receiver out of Clemson. With a Justin with a Y. Yeah. Um. Look, man, I I think the city would burn if this is the pick. But and again, in that scenario where I'm going to go, Kyrie Elam as my final pick in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I think he might be a hell of a football player. I just think I, the, I think he may be too. I think it's the just, city uh, I think the city will burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh He is not the, yeah. he is not Medium's brother, reminder. He's his nephew if I remember correctly. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, it's, it's just not but know, I just it, it's too much. It's a it's a Florida defensive back named Elam. I think the city will burn if that ends up being the case. Okay. Um so this is my last pick. This is your last pick. Uh, might as well make it a doozy, right? Yes. Derek Young. Oh, yes. W- wide receiver out of Lenore Ryan. Derek Young from Lenore Ryan. Who was it? One of the safeties came out of Lenore Ryan a couple years ago, right? Yeah, a couple years ago. Was couple it, years, was it Duggar years or was it Chan? Who was it? Remind me which. I forget. I, I forget. But you're but the, you, you're 100 percent correct. There was a there was a safety or a cornerback that came out of there. Um, I, I want to say it was either last year or the year before. All right. Um, but this is a Debo Samuel clone, by the way. Oh, really? Well, I've heard good yeah. things about him. I've heard <laughs> solid things about that Samuel just, just, fella. Just, just for context, because I know literally nobody listening has ever heard of this kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, Brian Powell wanted to know if any of us are going to be a good American and take uh, Diego Figo in the draft. No, sorry, I'm not going. I hope he does. You know, I make that very you know, I, love I, I, I love Diego. I, I, look, we we love it, and and Brian and I have talked about this on Twitter. I mean, he's not getting drafted. Yeah, it's a, I, you know he's going to be a, he's going to be an undrafted free agent. And he may go somewhere and make a team. Uh, but I would actually almost be surprised if he didn't, if I'm being totally honest with you. Like I, I Diego Fago, man, has the is a warrior, but yeah. I, 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 I again I nothing about the kid that you don't like except his athletic profile. All right. That is our draft draft. How you feeling, Paul? You feel like you're uh I don't know who two thirds of the guys well, are. Well yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help. <laughs> so you're ready to squirt a bunch of mustard all over some watermelon. I, I, I'm winning. I'm winning you're this. You're winning this. I'm, I'm getting winning does not help in any way. You just not losing is all that matters. All that matters is not losing. I mean, if you get one guy if somebody gets five guys right, you get, yeah. you get one, you can be just the same amount of winner. Because all that matters is that you didn't be the guy that got zero. That's all that matters during the course of I don't think I'm going to get zero. I don't think anybody's getting zero. You don't? No. I didn't think I'd get zero you last say that. year. How many did I get? Yeah, Mine. correct. Uh, Ken got zero. <laughs> zero correct. Our NFL draft analyst, Ken Zalis, zero a year ago. I'm so, getting all nine. Well, you know what? I Well, it's, isn't it ten? Don't they have ten picks? Nine. 
They have nine? Mm-hmm. I thought they had... Or no, I'm sorry. They have they have nine in the first yeah. four rounds, right? And ten overall. Wait a second. No, they got a, they've got more than that. They've got what do they have? I just heard this on the radio. No, they've got like eleven picks. My God, the Ravens couldn't have more picks. So it does give us a better opportunity. What I attempted to do at some point, Ken, was corner the fourth round. That was the the strategy that I had. They have five fourth round picks. I they just do. I my like every pick that I made between nine and seventeen, uh, eighteen was somebody that I thought was a fourth round pick. That was the strategy that I was working with. That was where I, mean, I was so going with that. Two, four, six, eight, ten. I took I took twelve guys that I thought were in the fourth round or later. Yeah, by the way, it is ten picks. I was right about that. It's ten picks. It's ten picks overall. Ten total picks. Yes. Five in the fourth round. Five in the fourth round. But you know, again, that's what they have right now. What they'll actually have, they have by the now. time the weekend is over, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right, KZ, we will be looking forward to the Project Game Day draft special tonight. You, Joe, and Paul, uh, you're getting underway right about 8 o'clock, correct? 8 o'clock it is. And go through the first round, and uh, if at some point I can sneak away, I will uh, buzz in and say hello and tell you about uh, how, how, ex- how infuriated I am that everybody was mocking Jordan Davis to the Ravens when they were clearly all along taking Trevor Penning. At some point... I will make sure I do that when, as time allows me. Add Fans Fantasy on Twitter and, of course, PressBoxOnline.com if you want to see his final mock draft. KZ, appreciate you, my friend. No problem. Talk to you tonight. That's Ken Zalis. Project Game Day Draft Special coming up tonight. Same locations, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Paul, the bummer for you is that you're responsible for getting this up on the uh, website, and I don't know how any of these guys spell their names, so we're going to have to do some... Uh, we're gonna have to do some editing. I'll help you out with that as much as I can that, here. That, when the show that ends. might keep me here till uh, no. Till we'll the show we'll work on it together, Paul. <laughs> we will work on this. To, it'll be a project for both of us. All right, we will do that. Um, when we come back in, we're gonna meet the new Towson women's basketball coach, Laura Harper. I say we meet her. We got we know her quite well. She's one of the great players in Maryland history. The former Coppin State coach. That's coming up next. If you missed it earlier in the week, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley caught up with Aberdeen Ironbirds GM Jack Graham. That is available. Facebook.com/slash PressBoxSports. Click on the videos tab. YouTube.com/slash PressBoxOnline. PressBoxOnline.com/slash video. No show for Stan and Gary tonight because of the NFL draft and the Project Game Day special. So he'll be back. Back on Monday night with another baseball show with Ross. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue in hour number two of the program. We will get the uh, results of the draft draft up here in just a little bit. Loser again has to perform Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Also has to wear Don the uh, Tommy Bahama shirt, chef's hat, and apron while they consume an entire big old bowl of watermelon covered in mustard because reasons it's just it's just what it is that is the penalty for the loser of our draft draft of course the nfl draft is tonight as we mentioned project game day i'll be in the fanduel sportsbook with the nfl chick sarita hubbard hope that you will come join us tonight live betting available during the draft as well as we'll have great giveaways from our friends at grade eights memorabilia come join us in the fanduel sportsbook tonight for the first round of the NFL Draft. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys. From Derek. Derek says, um, Glenn, you seem to think that all of these people coalescing around Jordan Davis means that it can't possibly happen. I guess here's my question. Who do you think would have planted that? Why do you think it's a smokescreen? It's not as much that I think it's... This is less conspiracy and more just law of averages that I'm, I'm talking about, right? Like, the law of averages says how many times ever in the history of doing this has everyone agreed about the same guy being the Baltimore Ravens pick? And I mean everyone. I've never seen anything like this. Suddenly this week, literally everyone talking about Jordan Davis. We've been doing this for a very long time. How many times do you ever remember everyone being in agreement about one person being the pick and then it being the pick. So it's more a law of averages thing for me than it is a conspiracy theory. Like, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. The Ravens are are calling up, you know, Matt Miller, and they're calling up Daniel Jeremiah and saying, hey, tell everybody we're picking Jordan Davis. I don't think it's that necessarily. Although there could be an element of it. Not 
everybody's mock draft is different. Some of these guys try to use information they've gotten from teams. Some of them specifically try to go with who they think is the fit and block all of that out. Obviously, some people have no access that do mock drafts. They have no access to the teams to get that type of information. Is it impossible that there's been you know, leaks from the Ravens organization like, oh, yeah, we love Jordan Davis. That, that guy's there. We want him. They purposely went out there in order to throw people off the scent of whoever it is they really want? Yes, it's possible. It's, again, especially given the sheer number of folks that are talking about Jordan Davis. But I think it's more along the lines of I just feel like when everybody says the same thing, when there's a group think thing going on, it's sort of unlikely that it ends up playing out that way. Um, I I hope that it's just as Ken pointed out, it's sort of a law of averages thing. We think these other guys aren't going to be available, and if they're not available, then Jordan Davis is the guy that makes the most sense. And if you're telling me right now that both Jordan Davis and Jermaine Johnson are on the board, I would say I expect Jermaine Johnson would be the pick. I still think I like Jordan Davis more. I, I still think that would be my selection. But if they were both there, what do I think the Ravens do? I think they take Jermaine Johnson. If, if Charles Cross is there, what do they do? I think they take Charles Cross. What would I do? I'd probably still take, I just think that highly of Jordan Davis. That's the guy. Um, I, I am of the belief that the thing the Ravens say where it's best player available is not simply lip service. I am of the belief that they want to get the best player that's available. But as I've said all the time, there's a limit to that. And when guys are quite equal on their board, bigger need can weigh out. Or maybe not even necessarily bigger need, but positional value can weigh out. They can think player X is a 9.5, player Y is a 9.5 out of 10. And then they could say, yes, but one of them plays a position that we prioritize within whatever it is that we do and because of that, that's the player that we want. And those things kind of work against Jordan Davis. It's just hard to believe that you would prioritize a defensive tackle. But this is also the Baltimore Ravens, and they've taken an awful lot of them over the years. If they don't take Jordan Davis in the first round, they're going to take a defensive tackle at some point during this draft. It's what they do. Even when they've had defensive tackles they've liked, over the years, they've continued to take more defensive tackles. They've carried multiple defensive tackles on a roster that couldn't play special teams roles and just continue to carry them because they like them so much. Kelly Talavu's of the world. Lamar Divins's of the world. Yeah. Going to the Wayback Machine. That's what they do. Philosophically, they like having defensive tackles. So I think they will end up taking defensive tackles. That's just my gut as to how things will play out. All right. Um, don't know what's going on with Laura Harper. If we can sneak her in, we will chat with her. If not, um, wish her well, and, and hopefully at some point we will catch up with her. A couple of things. One, as far as the draft is concerned, we keep talking about, I talked at the beginning of the show about all of the various you know, sort of leaks 
that will come out during the course of the day. Will there be an active market for the quarterbacks? It's actually looked more and more in recent weeks. The scuttlebutt has suggested that it will not be as robust a quarterback market as you would hope if you were a Baltimore Ravens fan. That there is no guarantee going into the night that there will even be one selected before the 14th pick. Clearly, the best case scenario for the Ravens is that that changes before tonight. That there are at, there's at least one quarterback that goes off the board before then. The Panthers are a huge wild card. Will they ultimately be the team that brings in Baker Mayfield? Are they content to wait, move back, assuming nobody else is looking for a quarterback, get behind the Baltimore Ravens, and take their quarterback later on in the first round? It would be good news for the Ravens if the Panthers took a quarterback, because if they did, it might force the hand of someone else to also move up and make sure that they don't miss out on their second quarterback, someone like the Steelers. It doesn't look great for that being the case going into tonight. It does not look as though there's going to be some sort of run on quarterbacks. I'm going to guess none of them, and it's a bummer for me because I put in that parlay bet that involves Malik Willis in the top ten, So that one doesn't look so good. I'm going to guess as of this moment, and maybe I'm reading too much in, maybe I'm guilty of the thing that I said you shouldn't do, but I'm coming more around on the idea that it's not going to happen and that the first quarterback doesn't come off the board before 14. Obviously, it would be good news if somehow they did. And finally, one more draft thought from... Steve. Steve says, Glenn, you've been talking about the wide receivers this week, including Would You Rather Wednesday. Do you have a preference of who it would be? You said you'd be good with either one of them, but do you have a preference? That's a good question. Garrett Wilson would probably be my answer. You know, the funny thing is I love Chris Olave. Like, I love Chris Olave. And a year ago, I, I would have raced up to take Chris Olave. But it's why I keep coming back to, I don't know that I have a preference. I think I'm good with any of them. If that's the route. If the route ends up being a wide receiver, I'll be good with just about any of them. That's just the reality of the circumstances. I like the top wide receivers in the draft. All right. Today's show... Also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now. Adley Rutschman is on the cover. Great story from Luke Jackson, all about the soon-to-be Baltimore Orioles catcher. Go pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Our next guest is the new women's basketball coach at Towson University. After a great job, she did turn around the program at Coppin State. She's also one of the great players in Maryland basketball history. Laura Harper is back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul. It's good to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Of course. It's great to be chatted with. I'm so excited for this new opportunity, and um, thank you for having me. Coach, give me the, the thought process, right? Like, you've done this great job at Coppin. This opportunity pops up. Were you 
at, at all uh, nervous about it? Were you at all? Did you have to think twice at all about making this jump between Coppin and Towson? This was a no-brainer for me. I didn't think for two seconds about um, how the transition would be for me. I think being the second largest school in the state of Maryland and the success, the championship culture, I thought that it would just be, it would be an amazing opportunity. What has it meant to you to be back in the community in these last few years? And is that part of what makes this so enticing is that like a lot of times you take a job somewhere, you got to uproot your life and you don't have to do that as you make this jump from Coppin to Towson. Of course, it's such a blessing because I can stay in my home. I could, I could literally be there the next day when they needed me and I'm comfortable here. I'm relevant here. I can recruit here. It helps. You know that you know all the coaches. You've got all the connections already. Those things are benefic- beneficial, of course. Of course, of course. And my mentor is here. You know, Brenda has just been so inspirational and influential in this transition. And, you know, first day on the job, I had, as I call it, a little mini meltdown. Okay. I called her immediately. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, it's like a 30-second fix. So that was just full transparency there i need that support here and i'm just so grateful to have her and just all of my people you know in my corner wanting me to succeed can, can you where did where did you know obviously when someone is your coach there's this thought that someone's a coach for life but as you got into coaching yourself how important was that relationship what did it stay the same way for you as you were in your playing career or did you almost have to rekindle like a new type of relationship with brenda as you became a coach You know, I think relationships are ever-evolving, you know, and Brenda has been doing this for a long time, and I think initially when I started coaching, I think she really wanted to see how serious I was and where my commitment lied, and, you know, I think it's definitely evolved to different levels, specifically since I have become a head coach and I've been back local, and she's done nothing but just be involved in like rooting for me and cheering for me to be successful is there anything in particular that you do as a coach and you're like oh god that's brenda like i know that's the that's the reason i i run a practice a certain way or i say there's a phrase i use is there anything that you do specifically where you know that's directly her influence you know i think the biggest i wouldn't say anything directly from like i've mirrored it but my whole philosophy as far as being a player's coach and really being player-driven comes from her. Um, she's such a visionary, and I tell everyone that. That is how she recruits. That's how she lives her life. And I try to be the same way with my players. She is Laura Harper, the new women's basketball coach at Towson. She's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Coach, um, you know, the, the job is a little bit different than what you walked into at Coppin, right? Like, there is a, an established track record of success in recent years at Towson. Does does it make the job easier because of that, or does it make it more difficult because you know what it is that the expectation level is for this program? You know, I think it's one of those perspectives type of things, you know. Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? And I think, obviously, when you come into a program that breeds success and has been, you know, so phenomenal in the recent years, there's an expectation. And, you know, there's, there's definitely some pressure there to succeed, but it also helps recruit and it helps 
you know, people know that it's possible. So when you're trying to supplant the vision, they've already done it. So it's not a new vision. It's something that they've seen. It's something that they've tasted. And, and credit Coach Rich and her staff for everything that they were able to do to instill that. Does it go without saying that there is a championship expectation for you at Towson? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Steve, our new AD in the entire athletic department at Towson, they're expectant of championships across the board in athletics. And, you know, they have invested so tremendously in each and every single sport to allow that to become possible. How were you able to do what it is that you did? I mean, like going from a two-win season to being right there in the thick of things this year, and I know that you probably didn't love how things finished for your team this year, but how were you able to do that so quickly to make such a jump and get so competitive in such a short amount of time at Coppin? You know, I think it's a combination of things. Obviously, when you think about staff and players, you need to continue to recruit and you need to continue to have great people around you, but... One thing I know for myself is I had an extreme vision, um, an extreme belief in myself and the players. So in everything that we did, I continued to remind them of our vision and our mission and what we were truly capable of. So I think in really outlining that um, and making sure that they were able to believe that, I think it just made it a lot easier as we made that change. With the, you know, Obviously, we recruited new players, too. Yeah, certainly you want to get your own players into the mix, and that, that helps a lot in right, knowing that you have the right fit for going into a season. Um, Coach, your, your own playing career, your own success, being a national champion and, and reaching the WNBA, does that does that still resonate with players that you're recruiting? Like I, I don't like saying this because i got to think about how old I am, but we're talking about this was, <laughs> this was you know more than a decade ago. The, the title was more than a decade and a half ago at this point, right? Of course. Does that when you recruit? Do you still feel that like players are aware of your own success? Does that does that still have a benefit? Like if you put the ring on when you go to show up and recruit somebody? It's funny that you say that. I think um, I know it does, and I know that specifically recruiting. You know, in the DMV area, there's a an area just there's relevance there, and a lot of the girls did they were able to watch the game and. And they, they know Brenda Freeze, and they know when they go into that arena, you know, that I was a, a part of that history. Yep. And I think that they're very much appreciative, and it just gives me a little bit of credibility before I, I open my mouth. Um, and I think that truly helps me as well. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, you walk into that building, you look up in the rafters, and you're like, hey, who's the, the Harper? I think I've heard of that name before. <laughs> that means something. And, and then, Lark, before I let you go, just stylistically, what should Towson fans be expecting from Laura Harper teams in the coming years? We're going to be tough. You know, we're going to be super gritty. We're going to rebound. We're going to run. You know, we're going to apply pressure and, and be passionate and, and have fun while we're doing it. You know, I think that's the most important thing that our players remember that this is a game that hopefully they love. And, um, we're going to give them 40 minutes of havoc every single time that we step foot on the floor. 
at Coach L Harper on Twitter is how you give him a fo- or give her a follow. Sorry, I have a lot of male guests on the show, Laura. I apologize. It's how you give no her. Worries. It's how you give her a follow on Twitter, and of course, of course. Uh, she takes over this season uh, coming up. Her first season as coach at Towson. Coach, congratulations on the new gig. Can't wait to get over and see you at CQ Arena this season. Appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. All right. It's- Thank you so much. Coach Laura Harper, new women's basketball coach at Towson University. Appreciate her checking in. And, again, as we mentioned, one of the great players in Maryland basketball history and did a heck of a job. Um, She's risen up the ranks as an assistant, and she is built, and this is another step along in the process. And um, she'll look to build off the success that Diane Richardson has had, a championship-caliber success in recent years at Towson um, as she takes over the program and looks to guide it towards a return to the NCAA tournament here now as she takes over at Towson University. All right. Um, guessing we probably don't want to take a break here. I'm guessing we want to hold that out. I just got to work around everybody else's schedule. Nobody, nobody ever wants to work around mine. Everybody else, I got to work around theirs. That's the way it's got to go. Nobody wants to work around my schedule. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about the NBA games from last night. Obviously, the Warriors made it interesting for a little while, but ultimately, um, you know, they got the job done. There are plenty of people who use the Nuggets losing in the first round as an opportunity to dunk on the idea of Nikola Jokic's MVP. Really, your MVP of the league is the guy that loses in the first round? I mean, the Nuggets were nothing. I mean, last night, Boogie Cousins actually had a game which was wild. Like, I didn't know what I was watching in the first half last night as Boogie Cousins was, like, a player. Um, But I think this series, if anything, kind of fortifies why it was that people likely will have voted for Nikola Jokic to be the MVP of the league. That what was this team without him? I mean, it was literally every possession – whether it was inside or outside, had to go through him. That's what they had. So I think Draymond Green said some very similar things after the the game was over and the series was over. I get it. You know, I I certainly understand why you guys think that Joel Embiid should be MVP or whoever it is. And although, you know, there's there's a danger he could lose his series too. Um, but I did think that this was this wasn't Nikola Jokic's fault. He did everything in his ability. In order to try to win that series, the Warriors are just so insanely loaded. At Gary Payton, the second, coming up big, knocking down the the clincher at the end of the game, on top of everything else that they have going for him. How about Steph Curry with the game on the line? Two defenders going with him the entire time. He's like, well, I'm just going to keep running, and eventually I'll get to the hoop. It's special, man. It is wild. So uh, they move on tonight, three NBA playoff games, as uh, Toronto tries to even things up. So does New Orleans, and so does Utah at home trying to avoid elimination. Maryland spring football game is coming up this Saturday in College Park. They're looking to build off of a bowl victory a year ago. Joining us now, someone who really came on as the season went on last year. He is a tight end for the Terrapins. He's Corey Deitches, and he's with us now here on GCR. Corey, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Problem. How are you doing? Everything is good, man. How's it? What? How has this spring compared to like a year ago after you guys were able to break through, get to a bowl game, get a big win? What's the feeling like around the program now? How's it changed? Uh, well, a lot of the young guys who 
weren't developed back then. It's been a great opportunity to get better and just, you know, really learn the offense. And we've got a lot of the vets just helping us learn how to, you know, handle situations such as like two minute or just getting used to being on the field because, you know, you never know who's going to be needed during the season. So it's just a good opportunity for everybody to learn the offense and get used to being on the field. Corey, does it feel like you guys have taken a step forward that you needed? Like the necessary step is out of the way, and do you feel an amount of like, hey, now it's time for us to go like do something even bigger than that? Now we're trying to go get ready to compete to try to win a Big Ten, something along those lines. Yeah, the goal is always for us to win the Big Ten. And yes, I do see a big step. Last year, it really set the example for guys to follow the lead. Yeah, I really think this is going to be the year that we do make a big step. Like, we'll go from, we did six and six. I can I can see a much better record than that. Like, that's not even the goal anymore. We already took a step. Now it's just like, keep going. Corey Deitches is with us here on GCR. Corey, you had a couple of touchdowns in the win over Rutgers that clinched ball eligibility for your team. Did you sort of feel like maybe that was kind of like a coming out party for you and you know, knowing the the role that you'll be stepping into, do you feel like you're ready to have a serious breakout this season? Oh, uh, yeah. I've always been ready. So, you know, I'm really just trusting in my coaches, you know, because they're the ones who get you in the field. So, firing their trust, and it's really not going to be a problem. So, I'm just waiting on my opportunity. It's nothing really I can say that, you know, anything can happen. But, of course, I'm ready whenever my name's called. Corey, you were around, uh, obviously, a really good tight end in Chig uh, last season, and he's about to get a lot of money to go play football. What, what's the best thing that, that rubbed off from him to you as as you do prepare yourself to sort of tape the, take this step forward as being a primary target this season? Honestly, just, you know, being with him the whole year, watching him develop and seeing that it's possible to go to the league, and it's just, it's honestly an inspiration, really, because, you know, watching him the whole year and now that he could be drafted tonight, like, right. it's it's just like, yeah, I know it's opportunity for me as well, like, so, but him as a leader, he's lead, he's led us all year as a tight end, pushed us, and he's just a great team player, so, but that's interesting. Yeah, it is good. It does inspire me. It's it, it's it's powerful to hear you say that. Like you see, he did it. Now I can be the next one, right? Like there's no yeah, reason like, why I can't go do the same things he did. Yeah, like that's really how it is. That's cool, yeah. man. That's really cool to hear. Corey yeah. Deitches with us here on GCR. Corey, um, the 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 relationship that you've established with uh, Leah, right? And again, I bring up that yeah. Rutgers game because it was it was clearly on display that day. Um, what's that been like? How has it developed? And how comfortable do you feel like with him that he knows that you can be that guy that he can rely on to make big catches? Oh, this spring, I think that's helped a lot too because, you know, we haven't had a lot of guys who were, you know, starters last year, you know, because we've had injuries and stuff. So now it's been a great time for us to get that connection. And, you know, we already had a great connection, but I've been playing some receiver now, so... It's really, he's, we're just developing all around the field. So it's really been, this spring really has been great for that. Corey, is that that something you think you're going to be doing more of this season? Is splitting out wide and and playing some more receiver? Uh, Well, by the season, I believe, you know, we'll have a lot of our guys back who, you know, are great receivers. So 
you won't you, know, you won't be needed to do quite as much of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. You know, if the opportunity comes, of course, you know, I'll do it. But you know, my I'll probably be playing tight end though. I got you. I for most of them. I I got you, man. Um, Corey, you are a kid from Maryland. You represent a lot of what um, what it is that Maryland's been trying to do in recent years, and and getting mm-hmm. talented players to choose to stay here, stay at the crib, right? Um, yeah. Wh- why was it the right fit for you to do it? And do you feel like there has been a sea change where more and more kids from the DMV are going to say, "I don't have to go somewhere else. I can accomplish what I want to accomplish here." Yeah, well, that's, that starts with us. Just you know, having a great season, showing that, you know, this is a great program because, you know, over the past years, it's probably, you know, it wasn't, we weren't the best team, so I could see why, you know, the stay-home movement wasn't the best idea, but if we set a great example, you know, we got a great facility, you know, there's no reason anybody should pick a, another school over this school, especially if it's home, you know, unless you know, they just want to get out, but yeah, I mean, I love, I just love being around and, it's great to be home. It's a great facility, great team. You know, I don't regret it at all. How important is Coach Loxley with all that? Um, you know, obviously being a guy from here, knowing what you guys are going through, how important is he and how important has he been for you as you've been trying to establish yourself and get yourself ready for the next level of playing football? Uh, really just I'm still working on, you know, gaining his trust and he's trusting me and we're starting to, you know, just connect and – I think he just, it's just, he just getting, yeah, he's just gaining that trust, really. That's all I can say, right? I hear you. Corey Deitches from Maryland. Just another minute or two with him here in GCR. So, Corey, the spring game on Saturday, right? Like, I feel like this is an opportunity to try to show off a little bit, right? Like, do, mm-hmm. do you have anything that maybe, you know, a particular, like, Sally that you're going to bring out on Saturday? Is there something that maybe you guys have worked on that, <laughs> to do something ridiculously acrobatic that maybe you wouldn't be able to do in a real game? Do you have something special ready to put on a show on Saturday? <laughs> you definitely want to put on a show, but you know, it's really just go out there and play. I mean, I know you know, we can't get flagged, so it would be a great time to celebrate. <laughs> right. that, but, you know, I mean, we're just looking to have fun. You know, you never know. Uh, it's probably not going to be a too detailed game just because, you know, it's still – it's a practice, and we don't want anybody to get hurt or anything. But, yeah, it's going to be fun, though, the fact that it's a game, but not really. Like, yep. I like that film. No, it's a real opportunity for you guys to, yeah. to just go out and put on a show and get people excited as uh, we move yeah. towards the fall. There's no doubt about it. All right, Corey Deitches, um, where can Maryland fans be giving you a follow? Twitter, Instagram, anywhere like that. Anything that we can plug for you. It's a, you know the world of NIL. I never know what's going on these days, man. Anything you got going on that we can plug for you? Yeah, definitely. My Instagram is cdych, C-D-Y-C-H-H, and then Twitter is the same, same exact name, C-D-Y-C-H-H. And that's really all I'm on is Instagram and Twitter, but right. mainly Instagram. We'll so. Give him a follow in those locations. Corey, really appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us this morning, man. Um, enjoy the day on Saturday, and best of luck. Let's chat again as we move towards the fall, all right? Okay, thank you, definitely. Absolutely. Corey Deitches, Maryland tight end, checking in with us here on GCR ahead of Saturday's spring game. Appreciate him doing that. Hey, if you missed Simply the Bets on Tuesday, we do it every Tuesday morning at 11.40 a.m. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. 
Try to get you ready for the week of betting every Tuesday. So if you missed it, go find it. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the videos tab or go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. And we'll be back next Tuesday morning, 1140 a.m. with the next edition of Simply the Bets. When we come back in, we will get a tidbit. We'll get two bit to wrap it up for a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fanduel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, winding down for a Thursday edition of the program. We're going to try to wrap it up early because we have a lot to do today as we get ready for Project Game Day, the draft special tonight with KZ and Joe, and then Rita and I down in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, so with that in mind, how about Tidbit? Uh, You know what? We don't need to give anything to Tidbit. We can just do a Tidbit. That's all we need to do, Tidbit. All right, with the NFL draft beginning tonight, fans and executives all over the NFL are looking to find that next big-time player to help put their team over the top. For the Ravens, each of their first six first-round draft picks became star players in Baltimore, and four of the first 
uh, 10 should be first ballot Hall of Famers once Terrell Suggs' name joins the ballot. But for every can't-miss prospect, there is a draft bust to go along with them. In Baltimore, it was guys like Travis Taylor, Kyle Bowler, Mark Clayton, Matt Elam, and Brashad Perriman. Yesterday, the Sporting News put out their top 25 all-time draft busts. Can you name the I mean, top 10? This is subjective. And that's but, the, but it's their top 10. I, sorry, I say this is subjective. Um, yeah, I know, but that, you know, like t- that's what I'm saying. I, th- I'm guessing what they think, right? Yeah. So, like, that's it's very uh, difficult uh, to do that. A lot of these are like, universal. Like, I, guys that would be on my list would include Jamarcus Russell. He's number one overall for them. Um, would include um, Tony Mandarich would be on my list. He's number five for them. Uh, my list would include, <sighs> God, who else would be, Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf is number two for them, just like he was in the draft behind. That's Peyton right, Manning. Peyton Manning. Um, my list would include, aye, 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 would include. Do you want me to give you a, def- uh, a no. position breakdown? No, I mean, I'm doing well enough that yeah. I, I kind of want to just see if I can keep going with it, but I. Like, I, there's somebody that I'm thinking about, but I think they actually had too much success. So I'll say Achilles Smith. Achilles Smith, number three overall and number three in the draft in 1999. I mean, the problem is we really got to talk about guys that had no success at all. So, like, Vince Young had a little bit of success, yeah. and I think it's just enough to keep him off this list. Although, again, most everyone would say he's a draft bust. But he's not on no, because he just had a little bit of success. He may be in the top twenty-five for them, but he's not on the. Um, this guy had another. You know, I don't think it's him either. Charles Rogers. Charles Rogers, number six for them. R.I.P. Charles Rogers died. Yeah. When? A few years back. Really? Yeah. I think he had a heart condition. Charles Rogers died. Yep. Um, Charles Rogers. Yep, he died a few years ago. Nobody told me that. I mean, ESPN. He died in 2019. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. That is. That's t- I just got terrible news today. I love Charles Rogers, man. He was a fun player to watch. Um, He just always got hurt in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it just never it never happened. Um, Todd Marinovich. No. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, how about hmm, oh Lawrence Phillips? Lawrence Phillips. He's also he also died. Yes, he? he definitely died. Yeah. Uh, La- Lawrence Phillips. He was their number eight. Talk about a scumbag human being. Yeah. Uh. Ravens almost took him. Well, I mean, they didn't. They they were thinking about it. They well, no, they would tell you they were not. They were not thinking about it. We all thought they were taking him when they took Jonathan Ogden. Didn't they Ted Marchabroda really want him? Uh, I don't remember if that's true or not. I'm, it's possible. I just don't remember if it's true. Um, man, this really does become subjective at this point. Uh, Kajana Carter. Kajana Carver, Carter is your number four overall. Number one overall to the Bengals in 1995. Just three got more. Three left. Two of them, 
I think if you didn't guess him, you'd be like, I can't believe I didn't guess him, and one of them I've never even heard of. But he was number one overall pick. Oh, Steve Entman. Steve Entman, yeah. number 10. Yeah, that's a guy that's always on these lists. I just don't have the perspective. I was too young to have the perspective of what type of bust he was. Right. Um. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, you have a linebacker and a quarterback. A linebacker. A linebacker. Bo Jackson ran him over. Brian Bosworth? Brian Bosworth. I thought he wasn't even in the draft. Brian Bosworth? Supplemental NFL draft. That's not the draft. One. The supplemental draft is a different thing. It says round one. Yeah, but he, the supplemental draft isn't the draft. It's a different thing altogether. Wow. Like, that's a... What a bizarre... All right, this list is a kind of a... I did not know until I just... Because I copied and pasted the description. Yeah, that's not a real thing. I like, didn't know that he wasn't taken in the first round until you just said so. Well, he was... So he count... The, the way the supplemental draft works is if you take a player, then it counts as your draft pick the following year. Gotcha. So you lose that pick in the following year's draft. So uh, technically he's a first-round pick. N- no, I mean, but that's not... A, it's a completely... Comparing him to actual draft picks and, like... You know where they're taken. I don't know where Brian Bosworth was taken because they were just giving up a generic first-round pick. It could have been anything from the number one to number 32 pick. It's hard to be the number 32 pick and be a bust. Yeah, but when you figure all the hype that he got coming out of that's college. A different, you're, those are different conversations, yeah. right? Like, this is why this is such a – this is a dumb list. Like, Tim that's, Tebow that's, that's had a ton of fun. hype, but Tim Tebow was like the 25th pick in the draft. Yeah, but everybody knew that Tim Tebow wasn't going to be anything in the NFL. That's fine, but he was still a first-round pick, so there's still a level at which he didn't live up to the being a first-round pick in the draft, but you have to measure what these guys are. Brian Bosworth wasn't even picked in the draft. Brian Bosworth is in a draft bust. He's something else. Like, there are lists that Brian Bosworth can be on. You say guys that didn't live up to the hype or whatever. I also think he was a decent player as a rookie. Like, that's a... It's a joke that Brian Bosworth would be on this list. Um, the, the other one is Tim Tebow-esque, but for different reasons. Tim Tebow-esque. Probably shouldn't have been taken in the first round, but he was. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Yeah, Johnny Manziel's not a... In comparison to these other guys? Was, was Johnny? Plus, he did nothing. But what did he, where was he picked? He wasn't a top five pick, yeah, was he? He was taking 22nd overall. Yeah, but, but come but on, so man. But so was Aaron Rodgers. I understand that, but like we're talking about guys that... The guys that are on this list are number one, number two, number three overall picks. And the idea that Johnny Manziel, that there aren't more top ten picks. Christian Ponder and Jake Locker were both taken before Johnny Manziel was. Yeah, that was such a weak draft I understand that, but it's a bigger waste of a pick when you take someone at number ten overall and they don't do anything than when you take someone at number 22 overall. This is a dumb list that someone (laughs) made to get attention. If you take the sporting news... um, if, if you take it's a quarterback, a if you take a quarterback in the first round, you're taking him to be your franchise quarterback. And I, they did it also with Brandon Weeden. I understand that, but the number 22 pick in the draft is not as valuable as a top 10 pick. Yeah. And there are plenty more guys that were top 10 picks that were used that did nothing in their NFL career that are far bigger busts than Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I mean, but Johnny Manziel played like six games and then he was just done. I, Tell me what Christian Ponder and Jake Locker did in the NFL. Fair enough. Like, they, we're just 
Johnny Manziel gets more attention for a list because he's a more polarizing figure. He just threw a touchdown pass to Terrell Owens the other day. Bless him. That's <laughs> the reason why they put him on this list is because it's not a real list. It's what can I do to get attention? And if I use the name Johnny Manziel, I'll get attention. Whereas if I use the name Jake Locker, no one on the face of the planet gives a flying F because everyone has forgotten that Jake Locker existed. But Jake Locker was a bigger bust of an NFL draft pick than Johnny Manziel Didn't was. did he like, retire super early, Jake Locker? Oh, he definitely retired super early. Jake Locker was the eighth overall pick in the draft. Jake Locker is a drastically bigger bust than Johnny Manziel was. Drastically. The eighth <laughs> overall pick in the draft. Could you call Baker Mayfield a bust? No. Jake Baker Mayfield's been successful in the NFL. Eh, but stop. Successful. Baker Mayfield has been he got the Cleveland Browns the playoffs. My God. It's you hard to be more successful Kareem than that. Hunt and Nick Chubb got them to the playoffs. They, you keep uh, this is the bit, the wacky bit that people try to do. Baker Mayfield has played well. That's a bad bit. Baker Mayfield has been a good quarterback. He hasn't been a a. You know, you're you're doing this based on other guys that have gone number one overall. No, he hasn't necessarily been them. Yeah. But he's been a good <laughs> NFL quarterback. He has been by no means a bust. He threw for 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, and eight picks in 2020. That is a high-level NFL quarterbacking season. Yeah. He has been a quality football player. Oh, he, player. he was damn good down the stretch for them, too. Like the, the, Baker Mayfield is not even in the discussion just, just playing devil's advocate over here. That's all. Johnny Manziel. Sure. Sure. Johnny Manziel's the, the top 10 bust of all time because Johnny Manziel's famous, and so you want to put him on your list, and Jake Locker isn't. Christ. I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming the sporting news, but it's also it, bad. It was hard to do a tidbit for the, for a draft. I it's wanted just, to be. It's just when we do these things, people like think these things are. Bi- There's nothing biblical about a dumb list. It's a dumb list. You and I could make a list, and it would have as much authority as the sporting news putting like, a list. Like, like our draft draft. A hundred percent has exactly as much authority. Just two guys sitting around who have no idea who these people are. And God, I, there's I, so many damn names. A lot play. of names. <laughs> a lot of names. We'll work on that in a second. Tubular brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Yes, the draft is tonight. It's everywhere. ESPN, ABC, NFL Network, Project Game Day special on your second screen. Starts at 8 o'clock for the first round of the draft. Orioles, Yankees, 1 o'clock this afternoon. The ace, Bruce Zimmerman, is on the mound against Jamison Tyon. Game is on Masson. Masson 2, Marlins Nationals at 1, MLB Network, Rockies Phillies at 1, Cubs Braves at 7. Uh, Big Ten Network tonight, Johns Hopkins Women's Lacrosse taking on Penn State at 6 o'clock. TNT, Suns Pelicans, Game 6. They're putting the the Western Conference on at 7.30 tonight. The Phoenix Suns are in, uh, I believe they're currently in, because after I think they go back to Daylight Savings, uh, so I believe they are now in Pacific time. So they're playing a potential clinching game with the Phoenix Suns at 4.30 in the afternoon in Phoenix. On sure. the night of the NFL draft. Sure. Sure. Well, actually, you know what? That might be the best argument you can make for it is trying to get it over with before the draft starts. That might be the best argument. It's puzzling. But the draft starts at what? 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock. Yeah, so if they start at 7.30, yeah, I mean, there's that's no a good way. Point. It's definitely not going to be over. The first quarter won't even be yeah, over. I, it's a great point. Yeah, you're hoping that somebody – I have no idea. I have no clue what to make of that decision. That's insane. Because on NBA TV, you have Sixers-Raptors at 7. You could play that game on TNT. You could put the Jazz Mavericks game on NBA TV at – 
9 o'clock, and then you could put the Suns game on TNT. After. I mean, it's... It's, they need to be thinking of Glenn Clark it's, over But here. it's also the problem. It's not even about me. I don't I, live in Phoenix. I, I, I don't, this doesn't impact me in any way. It's the people that live in Phoenix. Now, the problem being the Suns are in, or the Pelicans are in central time. It's one of the issues of the Western Conference spans three time zones, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the Eastern Conference spans one. I'm trying to think if there's anybody in the Eastern Conference out of the, I don't think so. I think they're all in Eastern time. Uh, Indiana, right? Indiana's in, oh no, Chicago for sure is in central time. So the Eastern Conference spans two. Milwaukee's in Central Time, so the Eastern Conference Eastern Conference spans two, Western Conference spans three. It, it just sort of creates a problem in that way. Moral of the story is that's those are the games tonight: Mavericks Jazz game six at ten on TNT after Suns Pelicans, Sixers Raptors game six at seven on NBA TV. Regular season finale for the Capitals: they take on the Islanders at seven on NBC Sports Washington. NHL Network has Flames Wild, PGA Mexico Open round one three thirty on the Golf Channel, USA Network for Man City and or Man United sorry and Chelsea at two forty five. Everything else, GlennClarkRadio.com. Non-sports. Uh, your typical CBS and ABC uh, um, lineups today, tonight. You have Christina Ricci on Jimmy Fallon. I think that's interesting because I have no idea what the hell she's been doing for 15 years. I couldn't tell you either. And uh, on HBO Max, a new um, a Max original season uh, season one part B of The Way Down, God, Greed, and the Cult of Gwen Shamblin. That, that seems very interesting to me, so... I included. It. Uh, what do you do? You know about that? She she was um she had this this crazy beehive hairstyle and she like led a cult. She's dead now. Oh, I, I didn't okay. realize she was dead, but she uh, led this cult and it was like this whole thing. And I I saw a preview for it. And I was going to watch We Own the City the other day. It looked very interesting. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, the Orioles have announced that they are going to hold a Mo Gabba Day on Thursday, July twenty eighth. And I like the sounds of it. I don't know all the details yet. About what that means, Thursday, July 28th, Mo Gabba Day. Fans who purchase tickets for this game against the Rays can choose to include a donation to Johns Hopkins Children's Center in Mo's honor. I mean, that's uh, it's good. You can do that without buying tickets, too. You can make a donation. I just need to know more about the details about what Mo Gabba Day is going to be. In theory, it sounds great, and I love it. In theory, I love everything about it. Um, just want to hear more about what the plans are for that day, for Mo Gabba Day on July 28th, but I... I just hearing the sound of it makes my heart warm. So that's a good thing. All right. Thanks today to Ken Zalis. Thanks to Spencer Watkins. Thanks to Laura Harper, Corey Deitches. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glenclarkradio.com. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, will join us tomorrow. And then the rest of our guests will probably be determined by whatever it is that the Ravens do in the first round of tonight's draft. We will see how it plays out. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including our friends at Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third on Twitter and Instagram, or just on Twitter. Uh, at, at Rexpex Ryan, thanks to Ryan, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. We'll see you in the FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Go Orioles. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.